We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? Welcome into another edition of Bogey Free. I'm your host, Matt Jones. You could find me on Twitter at Matt Jones TFR as usual. Um, so I wanted to uh, hop on today and get a show up for you guys. Um, obviously, there's no golf going on right now. Uh, we're living in just extraordinarily weird times. I hope if you're listening to this that you and your loved ones are doing all right. Um, Obviously, there's a there's a ton that we could talk about uh, relating to what's going on in the world, but I don't think anybody wants to uh, wants to focus on that at the moment. Uh, we obviously don't have a golf event for a while, but I do still want to try and get a show up about once a week uh, to talk about some things that I'm researching and hopefully have some some guests on in the coming days. Um, I know I've been talking to a few people from around the industry and we're going to try and do some uh, some strategy talk and some different things. Um, but today's show, again, just a, a quick show, but I wanted to take a look at uh, how salary and ownership uh, affects DraftKings performance. Um, so I I went back all the way to the start of 2018 so about two and two plus years of data just to see, um, you know, just to see how different salary groups 
perform, how different ownership groups perform, and really what we should be doing in general uh, when golf comes back, when we're making some lineup decisions. So to start off, if we, if we just take a look at salary, how salary just sort of predicts DraftKings performance, only about 10% of DraftKings points are explained by salary. So it's not the it's not the strongest indicator. And I think that that probably makes intuitive sense because we see it every week that there are groups of golfers in the 7K range and the 8K range and the 9K range that perform really well. Um, and there are guys in all of those ranges and more expensive that just sort of bust out and don't do much of anything. So from an overall perspective, it it doesn't do a great job of um, salary doesn't do a great job of really tightly predicting um, DraftKings performance. But overall, if we look through each salary group, it does it does sort of follow along with averages of the entire group. You can see, you know, the 10K range averages about 75 DraftKings points with a floor of 57 and a ceiling of 95. So uh, again, a pretty wide range there. But um, as you go down through the other salary ranges, it the averages, the floors, and the ceilings all go down. So overall, DraftKings pricing sort of gets it, gets it right from that perspective. Um, but there's definitely inefficiencies every week. We see it with... Um, with the pricing algorithm every week, we see when guys are uh, just way too underpriced, whether they're new on tour, whether they're coming off of a long break, whether they their price gets inflated for recent performance, and we know we can't trust those guys. Like, there's all sorts of different reasons that uh, that pricing could be wrong, quote unquote wrong, um, and we we have to take advantage of of those inefficiencies so if you go down the list from 10k like i said at 75 DraftKings points on average 9k is 67 points 8k is 62 points so those are pretty those are pretty tightly clustered there um and then the 7k range drops out to 54 and the 6k range drops out to 44 now the interesting thing is that the floor that you're getting from the 6K range and the 7K range is actually only about five DraftKings points apart. So it kind of leads me uh, to think that maybe we should be taking some more, taking some more chances, taking some more stabs at guys in the 6K range and not really being, uh, you know, as, as confident in our seven, in our ability to forecast what a 7K golfer is going to do. Um, but more on that in, in a little bit, uh, when we look at the salary ranges in general, um, as far as just strictly looking at ownership on average, the, uh, as we go up in salary, we go up in ownership. Again, these are averages, but pretty much, um, you, you can, you very rarely find, uh, golfers in the 10k and up range that are going to be like 
you know, single digits, 5% ownership, 3% ownership. You, you almost never see anybody below 5% ownership in the 10 K range. Um, barring, I don't know, maybe, uh, if, if somebody withdraws, there's, there's a couple examples of that in, uh, in the database, but for the most part, you are looking at a range somewhere between 10 and 20%, um, almost regardless of who they are. If they are $10,000, that's sort of the range. The 9K range is pretty similar with the average a little bit lower, closer to about 12, 13%. And then as you go down, um, there are, there's obviously exceptions, but the average for all of the golfers that fall in the 6 and 7K range is going to be, uh, ownership wise is going to be way, 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 way lower than the eight, nine and 10 K plus ranges. So all of that makes sense. I think we all kind of know that, but it's good to look at the data and actually have that, you know, proven out and see, um, specifically that there are, uh, that there are these trends that we can pretty much rely on, uh, every single week. There's the, the data that I'm looking at. I skipped any of the short field, um, no cut events. So things like the world golf championships, things like the tour championship, um, aren't included. And I did that for a couple of reasons, but the main reason is that we, um, we just see ownership sort of concentrate so highly in these like 70 or 60 man fields. And it just, it, it completely skews, um, it completely skews all of the data and doesn't really give us a good picture, um, for, for full field events. So I I don't want to, I don't want to introduce that into the overall data and get, uh, to a point where it's, it's rendered almost useless. So, um, that, that's the, that's the main reason for that. If we quickly go through, um, each range, the overall, the, the too long didn't read version of this is basically, there's almost no point in ever playing, uh, in ever playing chalk. Most of what we do here on bogey free and most of what the industry does really sort of relies on being able to predict performance. Um, and I'm going to continue to do that. Uh, but I, I think I'm going to start after looking at these numbers. I think it's, it's almost impossible not to, um, I guess, admit that we're not that good at picking golfers. <laughs> um, because the ownership doesn't, doesn't really reflect what a golfer ends up doing, at least from like a macro level. So if we, for example, if we look at the 10 K range, I broke all of these, uh, I broke all the price ranges into super chalk. So like 25 plus percent owned. And this is across the albatross, which is a single entry tournament. That's pretty popular the birdie, which is the 20 entry max. And then, um, the, either the drive the green, which is 150 max, or if it's a major week, I pulled the millionaire maker, um, ownership percentages. So 
the single entry, 20 entry, and 150 entry max averaged out uh, is all, I think is a good representation of um, most of the contests that you're likely to see. If you were playing the nosebleed stakes and it's a smaller contest, I know that ownership gets uh, can go a little wonky there. So this might not necessarily be, uh, you know, uh, transferable. This this data might not be really a one-to-one um, comparison to the high-stakes stuff. But um, everything that I've seen so far, there's not a ton of variance between single entry to three or five entry max to 20 entry max to 150 max. Um, ownership concentrates a little bit more around the, the quote unquote chalk in single entry. Um, but it's the, the ownership again, from a macro level is, is pretty much all, all the same. So I'm not, uh, I'm not too, I'm not too worried that, that, that this isn't representative of, um, of most contests that you're going to come across smaller things, you know, three entry, uh, I mean, three mans, five mans, you know, 10 person, small double ups, stuff like that. Ownership gets a little wacky, but as far as GPPs go, I think this is a pretty representative sample. So, um, for the 10 K range, whether you are looking at mega chalk for, you know, 25 plus percent owned guys, or whether you're looking at sort of the mid-owned, like eight to twelve percent range, the the averages are basically the same. You drop from eighty-two points to seventy-three points, so about a nine-point swing there. But the ceilings are all exactly the same. Again, I think intuitively that makes sense because these guys are, if you're priced up in the ten k range in a given field, you are likely you likely have a ton of uh, win equity and top five equity, and that's what we're that's what we're shooting for. So I think that the ceiling um, should be similar, and it it bears itself out in the data um, there as well. So 10k range, not really uh, not really interested in eating the chalk. It doesn't seem like it's worth it. Um, the floor is a little bit better but obviously when you're when you're paying up you're swinging for the fences you are trying to get that 90 plus uh performance out of your guy and i think that going with the ownership play there uh makes a little bit more sense considering that the ceilings look almost identical um when you drop down to the 9k range we see something similar and actually it's interesting it's almost if you look at the ownership um, versus DraftKings performance in the 9K range, it's almost like a U shape. Like at the at the Uber chalk, it's pretty. Um, it's the the highest that you're gonna see, but then it kind of dips uh, through like down to 12 percent, and then it goes back up. Uh, on the other end with the lower owned plays, except for those under 4%. So basically you're looking at no real, again, no real reason to play the super chalk. The ceilings are all identical. 
Um, it goes from 90 DraftKings points to 88 DraftKings points. Uh, and again, the, the floors vary a little bit more. There's like a 12 point spread there, but you're, we're talking about GPP ownership and we obviously want to, we obviously want to hit our ceilings. We don't really care, uh, quite as much about the floor because we are trying to get, um, we're trying to hit first, right? We're not trying to hit a min cash or just, you know, be on the, on the double up line and, and, and two X our money. We're looking for the big payouts and GPPs. So again, makes sense that we would see, um, that we should be sort of targeting these lower owned plays. The same thing again happens in the AK range, whether you are talking about the average 25% owned golfer or the average 17% owned golfer or the average 6% owned golfer, the ceilings are all identical. The averages um, are within eight or nine DraftKings points. And um, the only time, the only thing that you really see is a drop in their floor, which again, where I think people fall in love with this idea of these safe cut makers, right? Like the, these guys who are can't miss plays and really uh, you really want to make sure that you anchor your lineups to these guys. And I just, I, I don't think, I don't think the trade off of having um, a guy that's 8,300 and 19% owned their floor and ceiling aren't worth um, eating all of that extra ownership. If you can find a six or 7% play in the AK range that you like, that you can pivot off of some of these Uber chalk guys. um, I I think that you're, you're in much better shape as we keep going down the seven K range. We see very similar. uh, We see a very similar trend. The ceilings are, essentially the same even down to the zero to four percent ownership group which is um which is a little shocking you lose about 16 percent or 16 DraftKings points from the ceiling uh from these chalk guys but the average is all very similar and um i mean personally i would be pretty happy if i got a guy that's 5% owned uh, that scores 76 DraftKings points in the 7K range and, um, you know, just just fade the idea that the chalk guy uh, could hit 80, 85 DraftKings points. Like that's the ownership trade-off again is well worth it. Um, and then to, to finish up the 6K range, we see – very few guys actually get over 17% in the entire database that I have. There's only about a dozen guys who, um, who hit that ownership threshold. So I don't, I don't know that I even want to count them really. So if we look at just the group that's uh, 12 to 17% compared to the group that's owned four to 8%, it's less than a point difference in average DraftKings scoring. It's it's two points difference in floor, and it's four points difference in ceiling. So basically, if if you do have a way of identifying, or you, I mean, 
realistically, or you just manage to get a cut uh, from your 6K golfer, uh, you're you're going to be you can expect the same type of DraftKings scoring output and not really have to worry much um, about anything else. Like you're, if you hit a ceiling, say that's 65 points from a guy that's $6,700 and low owned, you're going to be, you're going to be well ahead of the game. So basically the idea is, don't play the chalk under any circumstances, regardless of if you think you have a feel for things, if you think, um, barring some crazy news or, uh, you know, barring some crazy news or a withdrawal or something, these guys who are a bit lower owned, no matter what range you're looking at, typically perform just about as well as the highest owned golfers in their groups. Now, Obviously, um, there's going to be weeks, and we've seen it this year. We've we've seen it in years past that all of the chalk hits and this this idea, this strategy of targeting just lower owned plays is going to lead you to a losing week. But the the losses that you're that you may incur from doing this probably don't equal out to the upside that you're getting um by by fading these higher owned guys it doesn't mean that you never play any chalk under any circumstances and it doesn't mean that you just you know cherry pick guys that are 7% owned and below that's not what i'm saying but when you're when you're building your lineups i think people feel like they they need and i'm guilty of this too people feel like they need to make sure that they get the guy um so the chalky guy in as sort of a block. And I don't think that that's the case. I think that you can very, very easily um, make the argument that the, if you pick the the top owned guys in two or three of these ranges and just pivot uh, off of their, off of them, I think that you're probably going to be in good shape more often than not. And you can imagine uh that you can, you know, you can get some more profitable weeks by doing that than eating the chalk every single week and hoping that your one play that you uh, went with a with a lower owned guy that one play is going to hit. You're you're playing with fire a little bit there, and you're probably not going to see any upside from that because one guy is not going to make the difference in in a lineup, no matter what, especially in these large field GPPs. So. That's sort of that's the that's what I've found so far. I'm definitely going to dig into these numbers a little bit more and uh, maybe put out an article in the coming days. Um, but hopefully that hopefully that was informative. Uh, again, I hope everybody is doing well. Uh, make sure that you are up on up on Twitter. Following me at Matt Jones TFR. Um, obviously we're, we're hoping that golf is back sooner than later, but it appears that at least through the middle of May, um, we won't be having any golf. So I'll be here once a week, most likely getting some guests in the queue and hopefully we will, uh, be back to talking golf soon. So everybody out there, stay safe, stay healthy, and, uh, we'll talk soon. See ya.
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.